The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day comes to us from Colossians chapter 1, and especially these verses that were at the end of our reading for today. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Every time that I sit down with a family after a loved one has passed away, I always ask them, eventually after we have spoken for a while, to share a few memories of that person who has died. It seems to be a good practice for all, allowing the family to reminisce a little bit even as they are mourning, and allowing me to get a better sense of what was truly important to that person who we are talking about. As I listen, I'm always sort of looking for that one thing that seemed to be more important in that person's life than anything else. Now, to be clear, no person's life is solely about one thing. But it does seem that as you talk to someone about someone else, there's usually one thing that comes through that was a little more important than all the others as we progress through that conversation. So today, let us ask this question. Jesus has died. What was his main thing? What was his life all really about? I mean, of course, there are all sorts of things you can say about Jesus that are both amazing and true. In fact, if you are listening to our epistle reading today, Paul there, in the Spirit of God, lists off all sorts of things about Jesus that are astounding. He says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He says that he is the firstborn of all creation. He says he is the reason which, why everything that is created was created. He says that he holds all things together in creation. He says he is the head of the church. He says he is the firstborn from the dead. He says he's first in every way, really. He says that in him all the fullness of God dwelt bodily. Yes, there's certainly a lot that can be said about Jesus. In fact, I'm sure it would cost you a pretty penny to put it all into an obituary and submit it to one of the larger newspapers in the region. But all those things that we just listed don't even truly get to the heart of what it was that Jesus was really here to do. What it was that was his main thing here. His purpose in coming here. So what was his main thing? Well, the epistle reading gives that to us as well says that his main thing was reconciling people to God. Yes, his main thing was taking people who were alienated and hostile towards God and putting them back in relationship with God. It was taking those who indeed were loving doing evil do deeds and instead, again, placing them back into right relationship with their heavenly Father. This is the main reason why Jesus was here on earth. He was there for sinners to restore them back to the Father. 
And so he was there for Adam and Eve, who chose to eat the forbidden fruit and so alienated themselves from God. He was there for Cain, who grew hostile to God and therefore killed his brother. He was there for you, for me, who loved to do evil deeds, sometimes more than we love God himself. He was there to make things right between us and our Heavenly Father. And how did he do it? How did he broker such a reconciliation? Well, through his blood. That's what our epistle says. Yes, through that very blood that was spilled on the cross, there he took upon himself the hostility and the sin that causes alienation from God. He took it, and therefore he removed it from us. And since our sins have been removed through, uh, or from us by Christ, we now know that we are reconciled to God the Father. We are once again at peace with him. And yes, that was the main thing that Jesus came to accomplish. We can see this in a different way in our gospel reading for today, in that interaction between Jesus and that thief on the cross. I mean, even there, right there in the midst of all the hostility of the world, aimed squarely at Jesus, aimed to take his life, what does Jesus do? Well, he goes to work reconciling while he's hanging on the cross. Yes, to that one thief who understands the injustice of the whole situation, who understands that Jesus suffers innocently while he is suffering justly, well, for that one, there is grace and mercy for Jesus to bestow. There is reconciliation with the Heavenly Father to grant to that thief. Yes, there on that day, as those two men hung there, Jesus and the thief, both gasping for air and writhing in pain, things were made right between that thief and his heavenly father. And because of that reconciliation, well, that thief was assured that that very day he would share paradise with his father. Yes, this is Jesus' main thing reconciliation between sinners and God. And because it is his thing, if we wish to call ourselves the children of God, brothers to Christ, sisters to Christ, well then we too must say this reconciliation thing is our main thing. So how does that manifest itself in our lives? Well, first, if we truly believe our faith and Jesus, the one at the center of it, is all about reconciliation, well, we will be ambassadors, so to speak, of this message of reconciliation. We'll tell other people that this is why Jesus came. Well, we'll say many other things about him along the way, but the main thing that we must strive to tell others is that Christ has come to earth to reconcile sinners to God the Father through his blood. If we really believe this is the main thing of our faith, well then we'll offer that good news to anyone who will receive it. We'll offer it to all of those who are now apart from God. But then there is that second way that we will manifest that reconciliation is our main thing. 
That second way is by not only telling others that they can be reconciled unto the Father like we are, but that it is then turning that reconciliation to one another, being reconciled to one another. For you see, this reconciliation that Jesus worked through his blood was not meant only to affect our relationship to God, but was meant to spill out into every relationship that we have. You see, God forgave us, and so we forgive others. God did not just cast us aside because we were difficult and hard to deal with, and so we don't cast aside others who are difficult or hard to deal with. God was not content to have a relationship with us that was filled with strife and contention and hostility. And so we must not be content to have such relationships with one another either. For God throughout his world is quite clear on this matter and quite, in fact, almost harsh, it seems. He tells us that if we refuse to be reconciled to those of us, or to those, excuse me, that have done evil things to us, those that have been hostile towards us, those who have alienated themselves from us, well then God, he will not be reconciled to us. That's the harsh word we have to hear today. He tells us that if we hold on to our grudges and our hurts and our pains, well, we'll get those. That's what we'll have left in our hand. But we won't have the things that God wishes to give us. We will have our way, but not our God. And every once in a while, someone will come up to me after a sermon and ask me if that sermon I preached was about them particularly. I assume maybe that more times than people ask, they wonder. They wonder if pastor somehow knew something or was told something because this sermon or that sermon seemed to hit something so right on the head. Well, I can assure you that to my knowledge, I've never preached a sermon just thinking about one particular situation. But today I do want you to know this. That thing that you're thinking about as we talk about being reconciled to one another, that situation that is on your mind, I am talking about that today. I'm not talking about it because I know about it necessarily. I'm talking about it because I'm talking about all those situations that need to be reconciled. But for you, think on that one or that two that came to mind very quickly. Apply this word of Christ there, for that is what it is meant for. Ask yourself whether it is fitting for you to go on not being reconciled to another person when you claim that you follow the one who made reconciliation his main thing. That is a hard question to ask ourselves, for it indeed brings thoughts to our minds that are not easy for any of us. In fact, asking that question will almost certainly burden our consciences a little bit. For while you may have all sorts of reasons to justify why that relationship has not been reconciled, and while indeed that other person or persons you're thinking about may indeed well be part of the problem, you know in the end that part of the reason you are not reconciled is because you have not been willing to work through it. You have not been willing to approach that person in humility to seek out reconciliation. But here is the good news today. 
the guilt for such sins God wishes to remove from you this day. He sent down his son Jesus to the cross to shed his blood in order that those sins might be gone. And why did he do it? Because he knows that not only is that lack of reconciliation ruining your relationship with those other people, but that it affects your relationship with God as well. And God, he still wishes to be reconciled to you fully. He wants that blood of Christ to be spilt upon you today in order that you might be one with him. And so today he calls you and he calls me to confess our sins. And if we will lay down our sins at his feet, he will assure us that those sins are gone. He will assure you that they have been taken care of by his son's death upon the cross. He will assure you that between him and you, all is fine. He will send you out as one reconciled to him. And there is no one better equipped to reconcile with others than one who has just experienced the joy of being reconciled to God. For we know this. There is no relationship in heaven or on earth that is better when it remains unreconciled. Reconciliation was Jesus' main thing. It is Jesus' main thing. By his grace and his working, it must be our main thing as well. Today we sit at the end of a church year. Next Sunday we'll begin a new year with the season of Advent. And while the world will give you another month to figure out your resolutions that you'll try to keep in 2020, let us as the church get a head start since we enter a new year a month before. And how should we start? What resolution should we make? Well, let us be reconciled to one another. For God, he has reconciled himself to us through his son Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen.